Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of the Buffalo Beat is Visa, a network working for everyone. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for joining in on this uh, preview edition of the show. We have uh, seen, well, it used to be the first quarter of the NFL season, but since it's now a 17-game year, we've seen the first four games out of 17, which is a good, solid base for what we are coming to know about this Bills team. But uh, on the flip side of things, they haven't really played anyone of substance outside of maybe the Steelers who, uh, who, who you know, shocked them for a, for a victory in week one and have now lost their last three games and have gone through a lot of adversity themselves about whether or not they're actually going to be playoff contenders this year. So it's a lot of, from what the Bills have seen so far, it's a lot of players that, you know, or a lot of teams that haven't really uh, been too threatening to other teams around the league. But that all changes this week. I mean, we know full well, as soon as the schedule came out, that the game in week five against the Kansas City Chiefs was going to be one of the most highly anticipated of the season based on the way that the Bills and Chiefs played one another last year uh, and the the Chiefs beating the Bills at home uh, in early on in the season and then again in the AFC Championship game that time at Arrowhead, it just kind of seemed like the Bills were just a cut below from what the Chiefs were last year. So this one, as soon as the schedule came out, was the gauge game uh, for where the Bills are and how much farther they can go, and if they can finally one-up Kansas City in uh, in the 2021 season. So we'll get into really the throws of the matchup as we uh, as we get further into the podcast. I also um, we're also going to get a chance to speak with Nate Taylor, who covers the uh, covers the Chiefs for the Athletic. He's awesome, knows his stuff. Uh, writes some great stories about the Chiefs and and does them in like a really short amount of time, especially like on deadline on game days. He, he generates some really unique stuff and, and he knows the Chiefs uh, quite well. And we're going to talk about, you know, the defense and whether or not a lot of those players that might be coming back this week are going to be uh, are going to be relevant and, you know, potentially help the Chiefs figure things out. Um, what has been going on with Patrick Mahomes and why he's throwing more interceptions than he usually does. And certainly a lot of maybe the feel and the mentality of that locker room coming into this game against the Bills. And I think that that part of it is interesting to me. And I don't want to spend too much time on it because, you know, it's not really the X's and O's and um, it's it it's more so the super, superfluous stuff as opposed to, um, you know, the the tangible 
you know, matchup versus matchup thing. But there is there is there is a certain element to it when you get to this point and this type of opponent. The Bills, they know full well that the last two times they've gone against the Chiefs, it has not gone well for them. In fact, the Chiefs really didn't make it all that competitive uh, once once it got to like the third quarter in in both games. And that has to stick with a team like the Bills. You know, the, the entire week they've been trying to tell everybody, you know, this is just another week, just another week. And I, I think I think I I believe some of them like like Stefan Diggs for example he's someone that I think knows how to disassociate from from those types of things he's a very straight shooter so so I I think I I think I believe him but there are other like younger roster guys who were there last season and and saw how it all played out in Kansas City and it, the the general human reaction is all right let there if if you're on that bills roster you're going all right i'm going to we're we're going to show the chiefs next time so it's a bit of a a balancing act for Sean McDermott, Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier because when you have such a humongous opponent coming up you have to try and disconnect from the past. And while balancing that and not having players and the team lose their edge entirely, um, they've done a really nice job of it against some weaker opponents uh, over the last few years and to where no one really catches them by surprise or it rarely happens. And in these big games, there's a lot of times you see the team get amped up for it. Like I remember... Uh, before the the game against Seattle last year it was a home game. Seattle was uh was the favorite, and a lot of people thought that they were going to come in and and you know just throw it all over the yard. And the Bills just completely dominated that game. And I remember in the in the week leading up to practice, I looked around and, and you know you could just feel it in the air. They were loose. They were it was like uh. It was like nothing could impact them that week. And so Sean McDermott has done a really nice job of it with with some bigger games like that in the past. But the Chiefs are just kind of a different animal here because they're in the same conference. They have basically been the the stopper of the Bills trying to get to their ultimate goal, which is to appear in or even win the Super Bowl. And it's it's long been thought of as a measuring stick game. Now, I do wonder how much that plays in early or on the flip side, if it gives the Bills another opportunity to dig back into the pocket and call themselves underdogs for basically the only time they could the entire season. Like they love that card. They even more. Of course, the underdog thing is often a cliche and everything like that. But in 2019, the Bills embodied it. They they thrived on it. They wanted everybody to to tell them that they couldn't win a game or that they couldn't do a certain thing or that they couldn't beat a certain opponent. Um, I, the Dallas game springs to mind uh, on Thanksgiving. When they went down there and and completely 
owned that game and owned that moment. And a lot of people thought that uh, that the Bills weren't going to come away with that victory. And because it was a good opponent, national stage, they haven't really done it before, and and they absolutely crushed it. So when you have that type of thing kind of, you know, just sitting in the background, you have to wonder if, if the Bills are trying to flare that up this weekend. Uh, because, like I said, there's really only one opportunity to do it. But that's why the psychological aspect of this game is so enthralling to me. And if it is going to have a legitimate, tangible factor, um, just like the matchups, just like offensive line versus defensive line. Uh, the overall psychology to sport is fascinating. And when you have a, a type of opponent and matchup like this one, you really start to learn about who this team is and, and how high they can climb. And I think that's a big re- that's a big reason why I'm so interested to see how they come out in this game and and if they can make it a game all the way through and or even if they just completely dominate the opponent and what what that's going to say about them moving forward so we're we're going to learn a lot about this Bills team both mentally and from an on-field perspective because because this this Chiefs team is no joke and I think a big factor of it and to get back to kind of the the on-field stuff the big factor it of it that we have to consider is what's going on from an injury perspective for the Bills. We saw them completely switch around their offensive line. Uh, well, not completely, but they they moved a few pieces. Um, Spencer Brown was in at right tackle. Darrell Williams moved over to right guard. And uh, Ike Butker filled in for John Feliciano at, uh, at left guard. And that seemed to work really well for them against kind of a down opponent. I'm not expecting changes along the offensive line this week. Um, it looks like John Feliciano is back to full pr- participation in practice. So I would assume he gets back in the starting lineup and then he'll be at left guard. And then again, it'll be Williams at right guard and Spencer Brown at right tackle. So the offense, that's, that's fine. Like they have all of their pieces that they need. No one's really suffering an injury. I think the only offensive player that uh, is in jeopardy of missing the game potentially is Taiwan Jones, who's a special teams guy. He hasn't had a single offensive snap this season. It really focuses on the defensive side. And because the Chiefs have been so incredibly efficient on offense in converting drives into touchdowns, that's where you worry a little bit. Um, This Bills defense, we know that they have really cleaned up against some bad offenses. Turnovers over the last three weeks. You know, they faced backup quarterbacks basically the entire way over the last three games. And predictably, and to their credit, they own the matchup and they dominated it, forced takeaways. Um, and and really they were able to um put those offenses in a position to where they felt like they couldn't have success. Uh and that was Definitely in a, a, a sense of optimism moving forward. But this this Chiefs team is an entirely different animal. And now the Bills are could be dealing with some people that might be missing. And the, the big one here is Matt Milano. Matt, the Matt Milano injury is a humongous one because of what he means to them in terms of his run instincts, his instincts against the screen, his, how well he plays in coverage, 
um, how he's able to, when they're in man-to-man, how he's able to pick up a running back out of the backfield and go stride for stride. Um, same thing with with tight ends. Like, he is a, a five-tool defender on this on this uh, Bills roster. And based through based on the four, first four games of what I saw on film, he graded out as the highest, uh, the, the best performing player, in my opinion. And how well he played every single game. And even in just, I think it was 17 snaps last week, he absolutely crushed it. I mean, he was, he was a positive contributor on uh, almost half of those plays. So when you have that, um, that sort of talent on your defense playing at that level, and you're going to be without him in the, in probably your biggest regular season game of the year against the quite possibly the best offense you'll see all year. That's not great. Not ideal. In fact, I will say though, the bills do have an opportunity to maybe, uh, undercut how much of a loss Milano can be. And by all means, it's going to be different out there. I'm not sure what they're going to do. I'm not sure if it's going to be an AJ Klein game, maybe, uh, maybe Tyrell Dodson, you know, we've seen Saran Neal, um, cover Travis Kelsey a bit in the past. So maybe he's a little bit more heavy, heavily involved because he's a bit better uh, in from a coverage perspective than, say, Klein or Tyrell Dodson. But either way, they're going to have to manage if Milano can't play. And we're recording this on Friday morning. Have yet to uh, see the official designation from, from Sean McDermott. But it, it does seem like it's trending in the wrong direction. Um so if they're without him, they can, like I said, they can undercut it, but only in a certain way. And this is all coming back to where the Bills tried to improve themselves the most in the offseason, and that's the pass rush. And quite plainly, the pass rush has not been good enough um, over the last couple of games. They were outstanding against Miami, like just absolutely owning one-on-one matchups. And you could go from every single player that was available to them on the defensive line was outstanding. I mean, Greg Rousseau had two sacks and had some pressures. AJ Epinesa had a boatload of pressures. Um, even if the, the stats of the sack didn't really uh, come to fruition all that much for him. Uh, on the interior, Star Latulule looked great. Ed Oliver had his best pass rushing game of the year. Um, and, you know, Justin, guys like Justin Zimmer, Mario Addison, they all chipped in to where Jerry Hughes, they all chipped in to where it was uh, an overwhelming effort against Miami. But the difference thing, the difference here is that Miami has quite possibly the worst offensive line in the entire NFL. And to their credit, the Bills' defensive line, they took advantage of it. But against teams that aren't Pittsburgh, so. Pittsburgh gets the ball out quickly. 2.17 seconds was Ben Roethlisberger's average time to throw or sack against the Bills. So I kind of just chalk that up to opponent. But when you're up against Taylor Heineke, who's holding the ball for over three seconds on average, and Washington, who has like a an average to above average offensive line, and then Houston, who has a below average offensive line, and Davis Mills is holding the ball over two and a half seconds on average. For them to not get a ton of pressure on either of those quarterbacks is underwhelming based on how much attention that they paid to it. 
And I have to wonder what that defensive line rotation or who is active, how that's going to look against the Chiefs on Sunday night. I mean, their best pass rusher to this point of the season, their most consistent pass rusher to this point of the season, not any of the defensive ends. It's been star Latulale somehow. Latulale, I, I termed it in the All-22 review over at The Athletic, which you can go read and check out where I grade every single player. Um, I termed it a pass-rushing renaissance because we haven't seen that from Latulale before, right? I mean, they, they brought him in to be a run-stuffing, one-technique defensive tackle. That's basically been his role uh, since he got here. But this year, there's just a little something extra with Latulale. He's winning one-on-ones like crazy. Um, and the Bills have responded to those wins by, and I think part of the reason that they made Vernon Butler inactive this past week uh, is because... He is more of a three technique, and Harrison Phillips is more of a one technique who they who they made uh, inactive in week three against Washington. And so by getting Harrison Phillips active, that freed up the potential for the Bills to, to put Latulale at three technique defensive tackle and rush the passer a bit more because of how well he's been performing. It was just it wasn't a ton of snaps. But it was enough to go, okay, they they definitely switched some, some things here because Latulale almost always lines up at one technique unless there's like a late um, motion by the offense and the Bills, like they don't flip their defensive tackles when there's a late motion. They'll just slide uh, the defensive tackles over to have the three technique um, go to the, the strong side and um, and, and then the, the one technique uh, on the weak side of the formation. But unless that happens, like Latulale has mostly been a one technique. And it's very interesting um, how they have kind of done this. But it also speaks to how poorly the rest of the defensive line has been rushing the passer this year. I look at Ed Oliver as somewhat of a disappointment over the last few games. I thought he's had some really... Um, advantageous matchups to try and get into the backfield, and it just hasn't happened enough. There were a couple of flash plays against Houston. He caused a holding penalty, which was a great sign, but it almost seems like his his flash plays come in bunches. Like there was one series against the Steelers. He was spectacular. Again, against the Texans, there was one series in particular. The rest of the time, it's just kind of, you know, it's just been average. Good enough to play, but not a game breaker. And to me, that's been probably the most disappointing thing from a pass rushing perspective for the Bills so far. Uh, the other part of it is it's the defensive ends just aren't getting to the quarterback right now. And that's that's an issue. I mean, Greg Rousseau had those two sacks in, in the first or in the Miami game, registered zero pressures against the Texans. AJ Epinesa. Uh, has outside of the Miami game has really been silent and got stonewalled a bunch against Houston when going up against Laramie Tunsil. Jerry Hughes was probably their best edge rusher uh, against Houston, but even he uh, can't do it alone. Um, and uh, you know, there's there are times where he's getting stopped a lot more often than than maybe we saw in the past from him. So all of these different things, and then Boogie Basham who made his debut. He was just okay. Uh, you know, he, he had the sack. It was kind of brought about by Star Latulale's initial pass rush, and Basham was the beneficiary 
Um, Basham did put together one good rep, but, you know, just really stymied way too easy uh, by the offensive tackle of the Texans. So it's it's been a bit of an issue. And for the Bills, to if they want to win and they want to get some heat on Patrick Mahomes, they need to win on the edges specifically because I do think the interior of the Chiefs offensive line is pretty good. Um, and it's the tackles. Lucas Niang, who is basically a rookie, um, starting at right tackle, that needs to be a matchup that they exploit. And then at left tackle, Orlando Brown, who is a big ticket, big trade piece, just been okay as a pass blocker from from what I've seen on film. So I, I think there are opportunities there. But it's all on the Bills to exploit it. So I wonder if maybe the Bills switch things up with their defensive line this week. And if uh, if maybe instead of, you know, I, I wonder whether or not they're going to make Mario Addison active, honestly. He has not been good the last two weeks. I, I believe zero pressures the last two weeks. And just has not been getting home, has not been uh, getting good opportunities. Only at 14 snaps against the Texans. I, I wonder... I wonder if maybe they they think they can get more um, from from others on their roster, and then I kind of wonder if, if if because of the opponent and the overall emphasis on getting to Mahomes with their with their front four, I wonder if maybe this is a game where FA Obata comes back because he has that versatility to play inside and outside, and you know I, I think he could be a difference maker from that perspective. And it would also, his presence, and even to a lesser degree, Boogie Basham, who also has that versatility. If they were to dress both of those guys, they could probably get away with dressing three defensive tackles for the game. Um, So there's a lot of different ways that the Bills can play it, but them winning up front is the single biggest factor to limiting the Chiefs enough to where the Bills can score more points and win this game. So there's a lot to think about when it comes to the pass rush, but they, uh, if they are going, then they can eliminate, or not eliminate, but they can at least lessen the loss of Matt Milano if he cannot play. But if they are not getting home and you have an inexperienced or um, weaker defender in Milano's place, then Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill are going to pick them apart. It's that simple. So there's there's a lot to uh, to think about when when we do that. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. All right, so let's get to somebody who knows the Chiefs way better than any of us do. Um, I'm joined now by Nate Taylor, who covers the Chiefs for The Athletic, does an incredible job, and and he is a go-to source for anything you want to know about the Chiefs. So, Nate, thanks so much for jumping on the Buffalo Beat, and uh, I am pumped to have you on the show today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Um, hello to all Buffalo Bills fans. And uh, what a nice little, you know, week five matchup. Because when the schedule came out, um, it was pretty clear that, like, the Chiefs were going to face this sort of early gauntlet of AFC contenders. Um, so it's good to know that the Bills have sort of done their part um, in making this game really interesting and fun. And, and the Chiefs are kind of a team trying to find themselves uh, headed into Sunday's primetime game. Yeah, it's kind of weird because um, the Bills have faced basically three straight teams that have had a backup quarterback mm. because they knocked they knocked two out of the game. Correct. In week two. Yep. They fa- they faced uh, the fighting Taylor Heineke's in, in week three, <laughs> and then and then they they fought Davis Mills neck in week four. So with it's it hasn't been they haven't had like a super big test just yet, and so that's why everyone has. Even when they were leading up to the the Texans game, I think a lot of Bills fans were like, "Okay, but what about the Chiefs in Week Five? So this this one is they've had earmarked for a while. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And man, what a what a what a switch going from Mills to to superstar quarterback, best in the league, Patrick Mahomes, um, who's playing excellent when he doesn't necessarily force the ball, which has kind of been his one minor issue so far this year. But um, yeah, I feel like this game in a lot of ways for Bills fans is similar to what Baltimore went through um, in week two. Uh, the storyline, of course, was Lamar Jackson had never beaten Patrick Mahomes. The, the Chiefs have sort of um, really played around with the Ravens in terms of the mental and physical nature of, of those games. Uh, everybody knows that the Chargers are a team that's kind of on the rise, so they wanted to prove themselves. They had never beaten Patrick Mahomes. Um, since he became the starter in, in 2018 outside of a rare loss uh, towards the end of that season with Phillip Rivers. So Justin Herbert had not really had that, you know, head-to-head matchup um, because his first go-around with the Chiefs was obviously when Tyrod Taylor, unfortunately, had his punctured lung. And mm-hmm. I feel like for Bills fans, I mean, this is what the whole offseason uh, has sort of led you to, right? I, I feel like the Bills had one of the more successful offseasons in terms of uh, shoring up some weaknesses, adding some players, particularly on, on offense, that I, I think will challenge the Chiefs. And, you know, much of this year is about seeing how close or maybe if the Bills have passed the Chiefs in terms of being the best team in the conference. So if they can come into Arrowhead and, A, make it competitive, and, B, walk out of there with the win, it'll be it'll be really informative for the rest of the season um, just because I feel like the Bills are the biggest threat to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs have already lost to two AFC contenders uh, in September. Yeah, it's kind of weird to hear about the Chiefs because the the overall, um, I guess, thought process from Bills fans is that the Chiefs are, you know, the elite of the elite. And even though they've gone through some losses, you know, they're that Ravens game, for instance, even Sean McDermott was like, all due respect. But, you know, they they were a lost fumble away from winning that game and everything Mm -hmm. like that. So I think there's just that thought process here. Um, and you're dead on. I mean, the the Bills, they basically built their offseason around what they did poorly against the Chiefs, or at least they tried to, trying to get their pass rush in order mm-hmm. because that, that was the way to, to try and curb what Patrick Mahomes was able to do against them in the AFC Championship game. But I, I think what I'm, I'm interested in just from, uh, I guess, an overall mindset, uh, because the Bills swear up and down this entire week that it's just another game, just another game, just another game. But and I believe like some of them, like Stefan Diggs, for instance, I believe him because he's 
he's a pretty straight shooter. But, you know, there's some other people who uh, I'm sure the depths of the roster are like, man, you know, this is a huge game. And it's just human nature to kind of build yourselves up. Mm-hmm. So my, my question to you, Nate, is how are the Chiefs thinking about this game, especially with what they've gone through so far in the season and with the opponent coming, coming in who they've, for the most part, dominated the, uh, over the last two appearances? Yeah. Uh, it's such a great question because um, I- I'm going to, just from my vantage point as, as the reporter who covers the Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens celebrated on Sunday night as if they kind of won the Super Bowl. And that's, to- oh, wow. and that's totally fair to them. Like, Sammy Watkins, former Chiefs player, was jumping up and down with Lamar Jackson. Like, there was a, you know, I was in the stadium in Baltimore. There was a full-on jubilation for both the fans and the players as, like, we finally beaten the Chiefs. Um, the following week, the Chargers, they, they kind of harnessed it a little bit better. But look, I mean, Justin Herbert was very pleased to um, get what you could argue is the biggest road game of his young career. So if the Bills win, it's totally fine if they if they treat it bigger <laughs> than week five of a 17-game season. Like, it's totally fine. Like, you want to legitimize yourself. And the easiest way to do that in the AFC is to beat the Chiefs, in my opinion. Um, from the Chiefs perspective, they kind of have to mentally go back to week one, go back to the home opener against the Cleveland Browns where, Hey, the Browns are the first team on the slate. The Browns were the team you just faced in the playoffs, similar to going through now with the bills and they need to reestablish their dominance. They need to remind, you know, the contenders chasing them that, Hey, there's still ways to go. And maybe mentally just as much as what will physically be on the field, they're better than you. Um, and so there's gotta be this nice balance of arrogance, but like precise execution. And the biggest issue for the chiefs is they know they can come back from behind. That is what they've been known for ever since Mahomes has been the quarterback, but there's honestly some tight ropes that they haven't been able to get out of this year, which is the slight change in previous. So, um, the chiefs need to look at this in a lot of ways, like, Hey, yes, we want to remind ourselves and the Bills and everybody watching on Sunday night that uh, they're the team that they're going to, you know, you're going to have to go through through the AFC. And my prediction for Bills fans, and I I don't know if they want to go back and look on the record, Joe, but I I think so much (laughs) of the season comes down to not only what happened Sunday night, but what does the AFC championship game look like? In my opinion, looking on the historical nature of the NFL, like, it would be really, really remarkable if the Chiefs hosted the AFC Championship game for the four straight year. Uh, they were the first team mm-hmm. to ever do it three straight years. Yes, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick never hosted the AFC Championship game three years in a row. So I think for thematic purposes, the Bills are probably the team that should host the AFC Championship game. And then it would be a rematch on top of rematches if the Chiefs were to somehow get back to that game and have a winner-take-all to see who goes to the Super Bowl. I I think that's where all of this is headed, in my opinion. Um, But if the Chiefs can get an edge ahead of that game, um, they should take it. They should try to be creative. Um, And it's rare for the Chiefs to lose two straight home games, but that's what the Bills are going to try to do. And I think the Chiefs want to just remind everybody that while they have slipped, they're they're still the best team in their minds um, in the AFC West. Or in the AFC as a whole. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of remarkable uh, and, you know, them having even the opportunity to host that many AFC championship games in a row is is in itself a a big time accomplishment if they can do it. But 
it's remarkable that they have gone through somewhat little adversity um, in the confines of like huge injuries to to what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. They've always kind of rounded into form uh, by the time it, it gets real. And I'm I'm very interested about their early season adversities. You know, we brought up that that Ravens game uh, and the Chargers game. Their two losses so far. But I think one of the prevailing questions from a lot of people uh, that watch the Bills and keep a close eye on the Chiefs is why Patrick Mahomes is hashtag on pace for his career high in a single season of interceptions. Is it him? Is it? Um, the offensive line in front of him, and maybe the piece is not gelling together just yet. So, what is really the reason for some of their, uh, some of the offensive woes, if you can even call it that? With <laughs> yeah, if, if you're the if you're the Bills, you're like, please, one more week before like you go back to like normal levels of like incredible play. Um, yeah, there's a entire new offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes. That was the Chiefs' biggest offseason mission, obviously coming out of the Super Bowl and losing to the Buccaneers. Um, but oddly enough, Patrick has tried to force things in a manner that is a little different than in previous years. Clearly, he's known mm. for improvising out of the pocket, extending plays, obviously the no-look throws, uh, sidearm throws, throwing with his left hand. Um, the issue this time is his turnovers have been part of other teams' comebacks or what has led to their victories versus the other way happening. Usually it's Mahomes doing something abnormal to give the Chiefs an advantage. Um, For instance, against the Baltimore Ravens, they were up 11 points, I believe, late in the third quarter. They have the ball near midfield, and instead of taking a sack, he tries to force a pass to Travis Kelsey. And in my opinion, it's the worst interception he's ever thrown because it, Im- wow. it immediately re- you know, reignited the Baltimore Ravens and they obviously made the comeback and they won that game. But the, the only way the comeback starts is the quarterback not protecting the football. Um, the Chiefs were, as I wrote earlier this week, they were ruthlessly efficient against the Philadelphia Eagles who aren't a great defense, but... The Chiefs scored six touchdowns in seven possessions. And the one possession where they didn't (laughs) score a touchdown was because Patrick Mahomes didn't want to take a sack. And so there's now consistent things on tape where if you are in a third down situation and you get to Mahomes, because he's so outworldly talented, he may try to still pass the ball while, you know, kind of in the grasp or going down. Um, And that may lead to an interception. That may lead to a game-changing opportunity for Buffalo. So there are things on tape that demonstrate that, like, hey, the offensive line is still getting together. They've actually improved their run blocking, whereas uh, they still have some issues protecting Mahomes on third and long. But if you're the Bills, try to win on first down and try to see if you can force Mahomes to to try to do things too much. And, again, it's weird to say, but, you know, again, on another third down play, he rolls to his right. It's a tie game against the Chargers. They've made their impressive comeback once again. And he throws a 50-50 ball to Travis Kelsey. He overthrows it, and the Chargers intercept the pass. And that is the turnover that immediately leads to the Chargers game-winning touchdown. So try to get him on third down. Try to see if he can uh, throw you a ball that that is less accurate. Um, because those are the things that have led to Chiefs' losses this year. Where in years past in my coverage, it was like the team that was beating the Chiefs had to perform way over their expectation. 
um, just because Mahomes was so excellent. Mm. So if there was, um, like, from what you've seen so far as this offensive line is trying to pick it up from a pass blocking perspective, and this is especially important to Bills fans because, you know, the pass rush was the big emphasis of the offseason. If there has been a weak link up front, uh, who has it been? Has it been Orlando Brown, maybe not acclimating as well to the Kansas City offense, as well as the Baltimore one? Is it Lucas Niang over on, on the right side at right tackle in his first full year of starting? So who who has been kind of the, the weak link up front so far? Yeah, it, it, I would say right now it's probably Lucas Niang. And it's a lot to ask someone who, as you mentioned, Joe, is a starter in their rookie season. And sure, you're not protecting Patrick Mahomes' blind side, but you're still seeing a litany of just really, really talented pass rushers, most notably Joey Bosa. Uh, Miles Garrett. So this offensive line has been tested very early. And I still feel like there are times where Mahomes has either happy feet in the pocket or he scrambles a bit early before the actual pocket collapses on him. And again, if you're scrambling early, if you're feeling that pressure, again, it may lead you to force and play in a way that is not natural to what obviously we've seen Mahomes in years previous. So I would say Lucas Niang. Um, But this is a quick reminder to Bill's fans and to the entire Bills defensive coaching staff. Joe, if they blitz Patrick Mahomes, that that is on them. Like, don't do it. <laughs> don't ever do it. Um, you have to get home with four and pray that your defensive backs and or linebackers can create a turnover, whether that's punching the ball out when the ball has been completed or obviously getting an interception. Um, but something the Bills couldn't do in the AFC Championship game, of course, was get there with four pass rushes. And that obviously leads to what they did this offseason. But if you're a Bills fan, I would tell you, hey, if this is the team you're chasing, if this is the team you want to beat, those guys up front have to win a decent amount of time because you need all seven defenders guarding the Chiefs, you know, litany of skillful uh, pass catchers. And once the Bills blitzed, I feel like last year, it was too much of easy reads honestly, for Mahomes to make, whether that was um, Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field or Tyree Kill on these RPO plays that obviously uh, led to big yards. So if you can get there with four, that would be great. It seems like the weakest link right now is is Lucas Niang, um, but they're going to have to be willing to sacrifice, you know, more pressure than usual and, and hoping that um, Mahomes goes, you know, in, a, in an opposite direction. All right. So a lot of good intel there. Um, let's shift over to the defensive side because I know we were chatting before we hit the record button and you said they, uh, they, they've been, uh, known to give up some yards and points this year, uh, this, this Kansas city chiefs defense, but I, I am curious about <clears throat> a couple of different factors for them heading in because it seems like they've kind of been shorthanded with, with some of the injury stuff. And it seems like some of that is coming uh, back to them. Mm-hmm. But then there's also, I saw you tweet out before we started recording on Thursday that <clears throat> Chris Jones had missed practice for the second straight day. So what are we to make of who's returning, how it impacts what they're doing? And then of course the Chris Jones factor, which uh, I think Bill's fans know quite a, quite a bit about Chris Jones and what he did to their offensive line the last couple of times. Yeah. It's, it's a unit that has been in flux all year long. Um, they have not played well, particularly in the red zone. They, they give up a lot of touchdowns, um, despite sort of this bend don't break style that they're that they're sort of conceding at this point. I believe. Um, so as of now, I, I think it's very much up in the air. 
if Chris Jones will play. Uh, Andy Reid sort of gave him two days off, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, to try to help with the treatment of his wrist. I believe it's his left wrist uh, that he's been dealing with. And he, look, Chris Jones hasn't really been an effective player uh, since the season opener against the Browns where he had two sacks. Um, and their pass rush, by by a whole uh, list of reasons, has not really been productive. It's sort of the reverse now, right? Like the Bills had pass rush issues last year. The Chiefs were mostly known for that. I think that's flipped. Um, and so for me, uh, what I would tell Bills fans is, you know, the Chiefs cornerback situation hasn't been great. Traverius Ward is coming back from a quad injury. Rashad Fitton, uh, who had an interception in the AFC Championship game last year, he's coming back from a concussion. So I'm not necessarily sure how the secondary is going to look. Um, their best linebacker is Willie Gay. He might make his season debut. Uh, he has not played this year because of a turf toe injury. Um, and Frank Clark is dealing with a hamstring injury. And so he has he's only played once this year. Uh, that was against the Baltimore Ravens. And then he immediately re-aggravated uh, his hamstring again and has missed uh, the last two games. So for everything that Steve Spagnuolo wants to do on defense, I don't know if he can really get to it just because he hasn't had his 11 best defensive players on the field once this season. Um, so my belief is the Chiefs are either A, going to blitz the living daylights out of Josh Allen and, and pray that the results aren't grim. And then secondly, I would caution the bills and being like the only time the chiefs defense has been adequate or serviceable or has played complimentary football to the chiefs potent offense is when they get turnovers um if the chiefs can't produce turnovers they will give up points uh which will probably lead to this game being an expected shootout but when they beat the browns they got two turnovers in the second half that sort of flipped the the momentum of that game they got Two turnovers early against Lamar Jackson, uh, which gave them that 11-point lead uh, in that game before the Ravens came back. And since that moment, Joe, they have not forced another turnover. So if you're the Bills, um, play your style. Know that the Chiefs struggle at tackling. Uh, know that they're probably going to blitz. So if they're, I think if the Bills execute at a high level and don't turn the ball over, they can have a lot of success against this defense because – as I mentioned earlier, they've, they're going through injuries. We don't really know who's playing as of Thursday afternoon. And they struggle in the red zone, and they are very turnover dependent. If they don't get turnovers, they're just not a competent NFL defense. You're making the Chiefs sound like they're beatable right now. And that's I'm sure that's probably music to a, a lot of uh, Bills fans' ears. Um, I, I will ask, if they are to get Clark, Ward, Willie Gay and uh, Chris Jones is able to give it a go. How much, how much different, and how much more potent is this defense and what the Bills would would face on Sunday? Yeah, it would be again the first time all those guys have played together. So right. there would be some rust or some you know the Chiefs have dealt with some miscommunication issues on defense as well. I, again, even if all those guys play, I'm not sure. Um, they're going to hold the Bills to like 16 points. Like, I, I just, I don't really see that um, unless the Bills sort of self-destruct. And I think this is, these are the two best offenses in the AFC when they're when they're playing very, very well uh, with timing, with execution, with creativity, uh, obviously quarterbacks expanding 
what you can do just off their raw talent. Um, I, the Chiefs are beatable. Like I'll I'll say it, Bills fans, they are actually beatable. Even though it's a primetime game, Sunday night in Arrowhead. Yes, Josh Allen has never faced the sort of Arrowhead atmosphere that it has become known for. Um, where you're going to have, you know, close to 80,000 fans screaming their heads off, particularly on third down. Um, but look, Justin Herbert had never faced that, and he went right in and had a flawless performance because this defense isn't very good, Joe. So, <laughs> and, and guess what? I would I would tell Josh Allen that Justin Herbert tape, you can do all those same things. You can make all those throws. You can extend the play. Um, sure. Be mindful of Tyron Matthew because he is their best defender right now, particularly if you throw the ball anywhere near him. But guess what? Even Jalen Hurts realized, where, where's where's Tyron Matthew? Oh, I'll throw the ball elsewhere. So, Yeah, sure, right. I would look at the Justin Herbert tape as the most transferable for Josh Allen's skill set, of course. Uh, obviously, similar to the Chargers, the Bills have a ton of weapons. Um, I think Stephon Diggs is healthier this year than he was in the AFC Championship game. That, that proved to be the case um, and how the Chiefs sort of covered him. But yeah, I I don't know if a healthy Chiefs defense right now, maybe in a month from now when they have, you know, more timing, they're not playing together for the first time, they're not maybe facing a more potent a more potent offense like the Bills. Um, you take all the things that the Chargers have done, and I think the Bills can execute to the same manner. And if they don't turn the ball over, I, I just see I just see this game really coming down to the fourth quarter. And maybe who has the ball last or who executes at just that higher of a level on offense. But if you're the, I think most Chiefs fans are like, if you could keep the Buffalo Bills to 30 guys, we'll take our chances. <laughs> and that sounds crazy. Um, but that's, but that's the case. The, the, the Chiefs held the Eagles to 30 points. Every Chiefs fan took it because the offense scored 42. And so they're going to probably want a similar, the game to play out a similar way where it's just like, Fellas, we love you, but just one or two stops, maybe one or two turnovers, and can you can you please hold them to thirty points? Because they trust Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, and Andy Reid that much on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, very interesting. Timing might be everything in hitting the Chiefs' defense at the right time. But I I am like you. I am I am uh, thinking, well, relatively hoping that this thing is a score fest because I think that would be awesome to cover yes. and to see unfold live with with these two teams, these two AFC behemoths uh, going toe-to-toe. It, it should be fun. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And I, and I would just, again, I would tell Bills fans, look, I, I've i started telling other fans of teams, like, it, it it is not as insurmountable as it was last year. Where last year, it was pretty clear that, wow, this team's so good, both on offense and defense, that they could kind of turn it on whenever they want and, like, really make things difficult whereas this year it's more of a grind they look like a very good team but i wouldn't call the chiefs great at this point um even though they have great pieces and for what other teams have shown it's just execute at a high level be willing to go for it on fourth down yes i know i was i was disappointed in sean mcdermott <laughs> last year i was like you need touchdowns come yeah. off the bus Knowing 35 or more is required. None of these, none of this field goal nonsense. And look, the Philadelphia Eagles, they competed very hard. I thought they tried their best, but when it's fourth and short or fourth and goal, just go for it. Cause unless the Chiefs have turnovers on their end, I think they're too they're just they've been so historically efficient so far through four games that it's a gift that they're two and two, honestly. So I think I think if you're the Bills. 
expect a shootout. Um, learn from the mistakes you made in the AFC Championship game last year, which was being a little conservative and obviously not, you know, not th- that was their first time in that um, in, on that stage. And it, it so much reminds me of the Chiefs in 2018, where it's like, wow, we have a star quarterback. We have a very good coaching staff. We have skill positions everywhere, but they they hadn't done it before. And, and so experience is a great teacher and the Bills should use all that experience, plus all the changes they've made in the offseason um, to be ready to, to, to really challenge a team uh, that I believe is truly beatable. And I won't be surprised with whichever team wins on Sunday night. And I don't believe that was the case for me last year. I believe even after the Chiefs lost to the Raiders, it's like that doesn't bode well for the Bills in week six. And because they were able to get Patrick Mahomes for the AFC Championship game last year, I, I just felt like that's a tall task just because this team is this team is so determined to get back to the Super Bowl and sort of prove themselves as a dynasty. Whereas this year, as you mentioned, Joe, maybe they're catching them at the right time. And that will set up something truly great, I hope, in January. Yeah, it is uh, going to be a lot of fun with these two teams that have that are quickly becoming rivals, or at least in the Bills' eyes. Uh, they're quickly becoming rivals. All right, Nate, this has been excellent. Thank you so much for for joining the Buffalo Beat podcast. Uh, you, you brought it, and it was it was awesome learning about the Chiefs. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And um, I mean, eat as much barbecue as you want, Joe. Just come here <laughs> and eat it all, uh, and, and hopefully, who knows? Maybe in maybe in uh, late January, I'll be making a I'll be making a trip up north. Yeah, for some wings. Well, my treat. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's Nate Taylor. So much good stuff from Nate there. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but like I I watch the Chiefs on film. But the, the way that Nate spoke about the Chiefs, makes them kind of seem mortal to where they didn't seem that way previously. You know what I mean? It's, it's not exactly a, uh, it's not exactly a home run opponent by any means, because it's still Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and uh, an offense that's really hitting its stride in terms of its efficiency. But you know, there, there are enough points to think, okay, the Bills might have a shot here, and even even though it's on the road, the Bills might have a shot. So let's dig into the matchup a little bit, uh, because there are some opportunities for the Bills, and also I think some areas of weakness that uh, need to be talked about. Um, we discussed the pass rush quite a bit at the beginning of the show, and that's going to be the single biggest part of it for me. I think if they uh, have the ability to win against the offensive tackles of the Chiefs, um, certainly this is a game that uh, that can sway into the Bills' favor to where, let's say, they limit the Chiefs to 28 points. Like like even Nate talked about. Limit the Chiefs to 28 points and let the offense go to work and, and get 30-plus. If the Bills can do that, then you know I, I like what they could be able to do in this game against the Chiefs defense at, as it currently stands. But we'll get into that defense in a little bit. But I think a lot of this has to do with the pass rush. And they need a big game from Hughes, Russo, and whichever other defensive ends that, that they dress. I, I assume A.J. Epinesa will be, will be up for this game. Uh, same deal 
you know, for Hughes and Rousseau. They, they need those three guys to really bring it um, and win at a much higher clip than they have been. Hughes may be less so than than Rousseau and, and Epinesa. They need Rousseau and Epinesa to step it up. So there's that. And if they can do that, then that could force Patrick Mahomes into more of those moments that Nate was talking about where he feels like he has to throw it up to, to uh, lessen the chance for a sack. Or maybe Patrick Mahomes snaps out of it completely and he just kind of throws it away or, or runs it out of bounds or, or something like that. Either way, anything that isn't a pass completion is going to be a big factor for them. Offensively, which is, I think, what people are really looking forward to seeing here, is whether or not the um, whether or not the Bills can go toe to toe with with this Chiefs offense. There are plenty of advantages that I see from the Bills offense against the Chiefs defense. Now they will likely be getting Traverius Ward uh, back into the lineup, who's their starting cornerback, and and that is going to impact things. But it it only takes DeAndre Baker out of the lineup. So with Baker out, who should not be starting, and if he is, then the Bills should pick on him all day. I think there are opportunities against guys like Mike Hughes um, on the outside, maybe with Emmanuel Sanders, and then Legereus Sneed, who who plays nickel a lot at the time, um, against Cole Beasley. Now, the, the Chiefs will vary it up from, from zone to man, but if but no matter what coverage that they're in, I think that Emmanuel Sanders against Hughes, if that winds up being a matchup, because I would expect Ward to kind of go go with Diggs, if that winds up being a matchup, then I think there's some opportunity there because, you know, Hughes, a lot like some of the other corners that they've gone up against so far this year, struggles with some of the intermediate routes, the quicker-footed routes, and I think that's where Sanders really thrives. So so that I would look to that as potential. I also kind of think this might be a low-key uh, spot for the running game. Um, the Chiefs, out of, uh, you know, you don't really think about it because they've been up, uh, giving up a ton of points, but they have been giving up a, a bunch of yards on the ground. And their defensive line has not really been that, great i mean they could be getting willie gay back for this game who um is their best linebacker but you know i i i wasn't necessarily inspired by the performances of their two defensive tackles jaron reed and Derek naughty um chris jones is really stinking good but even he hasn't had like a he hasn't been his normal dominant self this season mike dana is someone that they can exploit so I, I look to this game as potential for Zach Moss in particular to, to get going. I think there's some tough yards to be had there. And if they spread them out and, and you know, give Moss some runway to exploit and be physical and, and uh, push defenders down the field, I think there, there's, some, there's some potential here for the Bills to be able to uh, – to rack up some yards on the ground and and take some pressure off Josh Allen and what they're able to do with uh, with their passing attack, but uh, I think a lot of it will have to uh, determine whether or not Moss gets heavily involved because of uh, Devin Singletary and and if he continues to have some fumbling problems. Now I'm I'm going to be writing. I haven't written it yet, but uh, I have tweeted it at least 
Devin Singletary and his fumble rate this year right now is the worst in the league of running backs that have at least 20 carries. He has 56 total touches and he has fumbled the ball four times. The there have only uh, the next closest running back to have fumbled the ball that many times is I think I don't remember exactly who it was. Let's see. Let me get the stats up real quick. There's only four other players that have fumbled twice, which is half of the amount of times that Devin Singletary has fumbled, which is James Robinson, um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, ironically enough, Antonio Gibson, and Aaron Jones. Singletary has fumbled the ball four times, which which averages out to be once every 14th touch. He has a fumble percentage of 7.1%. And this is now the second time in three years. Again, the, this year is a little bit smaller, truncated, because of, uh, you know, it's only four weeks in. But this is now the second time in three years that Singletary has been atop the fumble percentage category. Sean McDermott said that they're living dangerously with all the fumbles. And I don't think it's a surprise that the Bills benched Singletary immediately after the fumble and didn't return him to the game until Mitchell Trubisky was in the game late. So that bears watching. I still think they'll probably get give Singletary the the start finger quotes, but I would not be surprised if Zach Moss is the one A in this game because I do think the matchup does just does lead to him potentially uh, having some opportunity to rack up some yards, get some tough yards, and and really uh, give the Chiefs defense some trouble because I think his skill set definitely uh, definitely uh, lends itself to how the Bills could attack them on the ground. So there's a lot to consider here. Um, I, I think the big question that will be answered is, is the defense for real? Uh, and Or at least real enough to slow down the, the Chiefs offense. They might be a little bit shorthanded, but they should have the majority of their pieces. It looks like Jordan Poyer is going to be back. Um, and, you know, Milano probably is the, the only one that will be out if he is indeed ruled out. However... If he, uh, if they are able to slow down the um, the overall, if they are able to slow down the overall um, point efficiency from the Chiefs, then they've got a shot in this one. The trouble is, Patrick Mahomes and company are probably also in that underdog role because you know they're they're at home they lost their last game at home to the chargers and they don't really do that a ton and they've got a bills opponent looking to come in and make a statement whereas the chiefs might want to make a statement of their own and again that goes to the mental side of it but it does play into it with with important games like this one so all that said i think this game is going to be a complete score fest and I don't think the the lines are that far off. I mean, the Chiefs are favored by two and a half. The over-under is 56 and a half points, which is a ton. But I think this is going to be an absolute score fest. Um, the last four weeks, I have picked the Bills to win. Back in the AFC Championship game, I picked the Bills to win. I simply... Just something, something inside me and, and the way that I see the matchup kind of playing out and how their defense might be getting better, their offensive line are gelling together a bit more, uh, the Chiefs, that is. 
I think this is going to be a close game, but I think it's ultimately going to be one where the Chiefs come out on top. Uh, I look at Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and if and the 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 biggest way for them to be able to thwart them is if they can get home and, and get a pass rush on on Patrick Mahomes. And I'm just not convinced that the Bills' defense can do that right now. Uh, if they can, that's a huge thing for them moving forward because that means their pass rush, especially on the edges, is showing up in a big spot. But because they have been underwhelming so far, I think that will be the single biggest factor as to why I have the Chiefs winning this one. But it's going to be close. I think this could come down to the last possession. Like I said, I think it's going to be a score fest. I'm picking a score of 38-37, to 37, the Chiefs beating the Bills. And I would not be surprised if it's a last-second field goal. But I think the Bills' offense will make a statement and and show that Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs' defensive coordinator, doesn't have their number, and that the that the Bills' offense is for real and they're back and two pronged with a running game and and their passing game. So I'm expecting a lot of yards and points from the Bills. However, I think the Chiefs' offense and their ability to get defenders out of position from their zone without much pressure from the edges will be the ultimate thing that that uh, puts the bills aside here so I know it's probably not what you all wanted to hear but I can't I can't lie to you I can't can't go what what isn't in my gut so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the chiefs in this one 38 to 37 regardless if it comes to fruition that score the bills are still going to be for real and if it comes down to a last possession thing, where they're going toe-to-toe with the Chiefs at Arrowhead in an offensive showdown, then they can beat anybody in the league. And they could even beat the Chiefs in another game in another time. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it should be a fun one. No doubt about it. And I can't wait to get down to Arrowhead and, and see that game unfold, just like I did with the AFC Championship game last year. And, yeah, it's uh, – it's going to be a real humdinger. All right. So that's going to do it for me. My thanks to uh, Nate Taylor uh, for for appearing on the podcast. He was awesome. Be sure to go check out his stuff and prepare for the Chiefs uh, by going to his Twitter account at by Nate Taylor. Um, and the next time you'll hear from me will be on well, Monday morning. <laughs> I guess it's a Sunday night game. And I'll be with Matt Bovey, the the Channel 7 WKBW sports director. And we'll break down everything that we saw in what could be a very, very compelling matchup. And if you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat and get yourself 50% off our yearly subscription to The Athletic. Do it now. It's special to our podcast listeners, so by all means, get on over there. Go to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode, and we will talk to you from Kansas City. See you then.